Hello and welcome to the latest installment of PSG Talking. I'm your host, Ed, and on today's show, we're talking all about Paris Saint-Germain's 2-0 win over Borussia Dortmund at the Parc des Princes in the Champions League. And here to help me do that, we have Jonathan Johnson from CBS Sports. Uh, Jonathan, thanks so much for coming back on the show. You were at the park last night. I saw you tweeting. Uh, can you just maybe start and give us a little taste of what that atmosphere was like? You said you, you bumped into a few Dortmund fans on the Metro. So just kind of talk about what the atmosphere was like before the game, during the game. Yeah, well, first of all, thanks a lot for having me on. Always good to, to, to get an appearance in quite early in the season. And obviously got lots to talk about given everything that's changed since the last time I was on the show. So looking forward to, to getting into that. But yeah, it was to be honest, it was a really interesting experience. I mean, my first game back at Parc des Princes uh, this season was Nice uh, just last Friday. Uh, and then obviously the, the Dortmund game, uh, you know, this past Tuesday. Uh, you know, and there's a, a, a much different feel going to the stadium now. Yes, it's true I did bump into a, a bunch of rowdy uh, Dortmund fans uh, on the way, so I can't can't be too sympathetic to any of their complaints given the way that they were behaving in the Metro. But I do generally have very fond memories of, uh, of Dortmund away from a couple of years ago in the Champions League, so I won't judge the entire club for that experience based on the fans that I bumped into uh, this midweek, but uh, no, it was a, uh, you know, the the atmosphere around the stadium has really changed. I think the last time that you had me on, I was talking about how I was concerned uh, about the sort of atmosphere around the, the games against Bayern, uh, the way that things felt around Park de Prince, and then obviously, uh, you know, towards the end of the season, we saw a lot of um, you know fan discontent. Uh, you know, obviously, uh, you know, very specifically targeted at the likes of Messi and Neymar, uh, Marco Verratti as well, but just sort of a general malaise where the fans just really weren't interested, weren't invested uh, in the team. And I think that very clearly has changed. It, it, you know, it was clear against Nice and it was even clearer against Dortmund. There is, I'm not going to say a feel-good factor back at Parc des Princes, but there's an interest once more from the from the fans, notably from the, from the ultras. Uh, you know, and I think that's hugely important, uh, you know, for this season, for the, the stage that PSG are at at the moment in terms of sort of their reinvention, you know, this new project under Luis Enrique, uh, you know, with the New Look squad. Um, you know, and I, I think it was, it kind of finally felt like a, a proper new new dawn, new era. Uh, you know, and I think that's something really encouraging that PSG have to look to try and foster. Uh, you know, the sort of coming weeks and months. You know, there's no no longer that sort of apathetic feeling from the from the fan base. It seems like everyone is, uh, you know, starting afresh and, and relishing the opportunity to to do so. So, you know, with that sort of renewed emotional investment in the team, it's it's no surprise that the atmosphere was was superb. Probably the best Champions League game atmosphere I can remember for you know certainly better than anything we saw last season. Uh, you know, and I go as far as saying it's maybe the best atmosphere we've seen in a couple of years now. So fingers crossed that continues. That's a big positive. And I know Luis Enrico is talking about it after the game as well. But um, no, it's, you know, overall the, the sort of experience as well. There were some sort of moments of frustration, you know, it kind of felt like PSG were passing for passing sake at times. But equally, uh, you know, to sort of have a game plan, to have like a discernible style suddenly coming together on the field is also something that PSG haven't had for the last couple of years. So, you know, beggars can't be choosers. Uh, you know, you have to sort of take the, the, the new interesting tactical alterations when they come. Uh, and obviously the goals did eventually arrive. Fantastic strike from Hakimi and, you know, a well-dispatched penalty from Mbappe. That was enough. Uh, had Vitinha hit the post in the first half, uh, Gonzalo Ramos unfortunately missed a really good chance in the second and then had a late goal disallowed for offside. But, you know, overall, I think, you know, uh, 
Luis Enrique could feel satisfied with the way that his players reacted after the defeat to Nice. Like, like him, I wasn't really sort of running to, to press the alarm bells uh, you know, after that defeat because you could see something was coming together in terms of the chemistry, in terms of the game plan, uh, in terms of what they're trying to do stylistically. Uh, you know, and I think that Dortmund was another important step with that. And obviously, uh, you know, with Le Classique coming up this weekend against Marseille, uh, you know, it's another big opportunity, uh, you know, for, for PSG to, to take some steps forward in terms of their development. Yeah, people often forget just with QSI coming in, they, they think a lot of plastic fans, but PSG definitely have one of the just a great fan base that's passionate and so at the atmosphere last night i wasn't there but it was coming through the television so that's why i wanted to start there because it just sounded like an amazing atmosphere at the park um and you said it was one of the best so um we mentioned a couple of the goals but let's just start in the beginning of the match because it was scoreless in the first half what did you make of of psg's first half performance um and then i thought it was kind of surprising with dortmund they they were sitting back and not really offering much going forward. Um, it was a little bit different than what their manager had been saying, where you know they were looking to maybe get a, get something out of this match. And they, they kind of just showed up and were kind of just almost felt like they were waving the white flag a little bit. Like they, were, they weren't really trying to get forward that much. I don't know if that was because of PSG or that was their, their tactics. Maybe they were hoping for a scoreless draw and get out of there with a point. But just kind of talk about that first half for me. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, overall the matchup was really interesting between PSG and Dortmund because it's two teams that, you know, let's be honest, haven't really started the season the way they might have wanted to. Uh, you know, we sort of know some of the more detailed reasons as to why PSG have been sort of slow out of the blocks, but we don't know as much sort of about Dortmund uh, outside of the game that we saw uh, on Tuesday because, you know, I doubt that many of us are sort of following what's going on with them game after game in the Bundesliga. I'm certainly not, but, you know, Dortmund uh, obviously uh, got a lot of uh, Champions League pedigree. Uh, you know, sort of everything that you that we come to associate Dortmund with, you know, wasn't really on show uh, at any point during the game on Tuesday. Uh, I agree with you, you know, certainly felt like they came to Parc de Prince basically to avoid defeat as opposed to, to trying to go for the win. Um, and it did feel a bit frustrating that PSG had to work so hard to, to break them down. But like I said earlier on, when Vitinha hit the post, you know, if that goes in, suddenly that changes the complexion of the of the first half. I think it was around the half hour mark or something like that. So, you know, that would have been, uh, you know, a big change in the game and possibly would have opened it up. But, uh, you know, PSG did get it done in the end uh, in the second half. But, you know, I still think the first half was encouraging. You know, you look at sort of the collective effort across the board, uh, you know, the real sort of commitment, uh, you know, the, the emotion uh, on show from all of the players, uh, you know, and the fact that, you know, they're working as a team to, to try and break their opponents down. Sure, there's going to be tougher tests in this Dortmund side, uh, you know, during the season. But also it's early days in terms of the development, uh, you know, under Luis Enrique and this new uh, tactical plan. And, you know, basically, I mean, not an entirely new squad, but a lot of new faces, uh, you know, in this group. And, you know, it's going to take time for, for, for them to, to bed down. So I think that the fact that the chemistry was already so, so much better uh, than we saw against Nice, uh, you know, on Tuesday, even in the first half without scoring the goal, uh, you know, it's definitely encouraging. Something I wouldn't necessarily mark Luis Enrique and PSG down for. You know, I think a lot of people really expected, you know, PSG to run Dortmund ragged and, and thrash them. And you know, I think it's uh, it's a bit unrealistic at this stage of the season because it is, uh, you know, another big change. Uh, you know, not just in terms of the players that have come out and 
can come in, but also, you know, a new manager as well. Uh, you know, it takes time to, to bed down. I mean, one thing that I would say is that Luis Enrique has a very recognizable style of, of management and also the way that he likes his teams to play. He's spoken about it actually publicly recently where it takes a while for players to buy into sort of his methods. Uh, you know, slow starts are, are not, you know, it's not necessarily something that he hasn't already experienced in his career happen, you know, with the likes of Barcelona, happen with the likes of Spain, uh, you know, Celta Vigo as well, Roma. So, you know, he's had experience of, uh, you know, that sort of time period or that time frame that it takes for players to adjust and buy into his methods. Obviously, some of those teams have done it better than others, uh, you know, but... You know, you can see clearly what he's trying to get the team to do. And even in the first half without scoring a goal, it's quite obvious sort of how the, the team is going to set up. There's going to be some sort of, uh, you know, consistency. And, you know, there's a lot of things that you could take from seeing 45 minutes without a goal. You know, you look at the defensive balance, which is pretty impressive considering you've got Hakimi out there on the pitch. He's not really known, uh, you know, for, for sort of his, his defensive, uh, you know, efforts. Uh, I think that Luca and all this, um, you know, sort of the balance that he brings at left back. Obviously, Nuno Mendes, when he's fit, will be you know, a massive boost for PSG, certainly going forward. But to have the ability to have, you know, quite a solid back four when you've got someone like him on this at uh, left back, uh, you know, that was really interesting to watch. But I think the main sort of takeaway, certainly from that first half, is the importance already that you're seeing from the likes of Rugate and Marquinhos. Now, Marquinhos has had a difficult couple of years, but I think it's obviously been a bit of a boost to, to his confidence to be sort of reconfirmed as, as PSG captain. And him coming back into the back line immediately made PSG look a bit more convincing than they did with Danilo and Skriniar against Nice. But Ugarte, Ugarte really seems to be sort of the linchpin now in the midfield. Obviously, Marco Berardi used to hold that role. Um, and I think it's really interesting that PSG have uh, swapped style for substance with bringing Ugarte in and taking Berardi out because it now feels like that midfield is a, a lot more functional. Uh, you know, there is more. Um, you know, there's more to it. There's more metal to it. You know, the the midfield used to get overrun so easily and fall apart. Now suddenly, uh, you know, having Ugarte there fixed, you've got Vitinha in sort of his early, uh, you know, PSG form, which we saw from him at the beginning of last season. Uh, and crucially as well, you know, that enables Warren Zaire Emery to, uh, you know, be getting these regular minutes that he, you know, he needs uh, at this stage in his career if he's going to really develop and be uh, a first team regular. But also, you can see. The, the benefits uh, in his game and sort of his confidence and, you know, how comfortable he feels, uh, you know, sort of being a regular starter, you know, even at this early stage. Yeah, and you mentioned Marquinhos and a, a boost of confidence. He certainly, you know, other than Mbappe, he's one of the few from the previous era that have uh, been able to stick around as everyone else has kind of been uh, transferred out. So, yeah, hopefully he can turn it around. He's had a rough couple of seasons and the whole team. And, and after the game, I said this was a, a great team performance. So in that first half, it was scoreless, but we did get a goal in the 49th minute from killing Mbappe. Uh, it was a penalty. Uh, was it a fair decision to you? I've got my thoughts on it, but I'm curious what you think about that. Was it a fair decision? I mean, you, you know, there is going to be debate over those kind of uh, decisions. I know that Matt Hummels came out afterwards and felt that the refereeing was very much against Dortmund. I mean, if it was against PSG, yeah, you know, maybe we'd be arguing and saying, you know, it was sort of an, an unjust decision. But, you know, we should also bear in mind the fact that PSG did have a penalty shout as well in the first half, uh, you know, that was, was cancelled by, by VAR. So, uh, you know, I, it's one of those where, you know, yes, you can make a case for, for, for Dortmund, 
you know, feeling hard done by uh, in receiving that penalty. But equally at the same time, it, it's no surprise, you know, often when those kind of decisions are given, especially sort of after VAR. And I think that's probably where most of the frustration comes from on the Dortmund side, the fact that it went to VAR and still got given. But, uh, you know, those are sometimes the decisions that go for you and then go against you at different points in the season. So you, know, you take it when it comes your way, but, you know, you have to, to recognise that there probably will be some moments where, you know, maybe a decision in that same kind of vein, uh, you know, also goes against you. But um, I think by that point of the game, it wasn't, um, it, it didn't flatter PSG to, to finally take the lead. And Hummel said as much in his, his tweets after the game that PSG, hands down, deserve to win. It's just a bit of a bitter pill to swallow sort of the way that that penalty was uh, was awarded. But like I said, there was also a penalty shout, uh, you know, in the in the first half as well. And there was quite a lot of kind of last-ditch tackles flying in from Dortmund as well. So to be honest, it wouldn't have been that surprising had there been another penalty shout at some point. Yeah, the official was definitely letting the uh, the players just get away with some tackles that you see typically given as a foul or even as a card. My whole thing on that penalty and just in general, you're spending so much on strikers. You know, scoring is so difficult. I just hate to see a goal because someone, you know, had their arm in the wrong position. It was down and the ball hits it, hits their arm, or you know, someone embellishes getting touched in the box and they fall down and it's a penalty. I just think that again, we're spending so much on strikers to score goals. It's so difficult. We shouldn't be just giving away goals for silly things like that. I think that that could be cleaned up a little bit, but um Jonathan, I want to touch on Vitinha because he was the the man of the match, and I don't think too many would have predicted that heading into this game. Um, I thought his link-up play with Hakimi was sensational um, for that goal. There was a nice little one-two. He had a back heel pass. I mean, it was it was really Messi-esque, if I can. We're going to touch on him in just a second as well. But I want to ask you, can Vitinha be the Varadi replacement? Um, and, and just maybe talk about his performance overall. I mean, I'd be very careful about sort of labeling anyone like a, a Verratti replacement, even someone who could go, like Ugarte. You know, Marco Verratti at the end of the day was a, a very unique player, both sort of in terms of you know, the technical ability he brought to the table and also that, um, you know, kind of personable factor where you can really relate to, to him and, you know, sometimes his frustration with the referees, uh, you know, and sort of his just sort of cheeky demeanor, which, you know, at the end of the day, you know, helped to, to sort of make him, you know, so appealing. But, you know, I think it is undeniable that the impact that swapping Verratti for Ugarte and going for a different style uh, in midfield has had. You know, because for years PSG were kind of you know living in the shadow of the the great days of Verratti with Thiago Motta, Blaise Matuidi, and it felt like the club never really moved on from that. They were just sort of looking to try and replicate it instead of doing something completely different. And I think that's one of the the most refreshing things that Luis Enrique has tried so far in that. He's gone for uh, a midfield three or gone back to a midfield three, which obviously was, was sort of the MO of uh, the Blanc's, uh, you know, best uh, PSG sides, which were very easy on the eye. Uh, and, you know, I think it's no surprise that with a, with a sort of change of approach that you start to get the best out of somebody like Vitinho, who, you know, let's, let, let's be honest, um, didn't have a very good second half of last season, but didn't, you know, didn't look out of his depth, uh, you know, in the first half of the campaign either. Obviously, very few players came out of the second half of last season with any credit, but, you know, I think Vitinha, he had a hard time, especially after having that, um, you know, opportunity cleared off the line in the Bayern Munich game uh, away in Germany. 
And it's really good to sort of see Luis Enrique having come in and put his faith in, in Bettina and getting some, some early season form out of him. Fingers crossed that can continue across the, the length of the, the season. But I think it's a really it's a really interesting balance and a good mix because you know having Ugarte there sort of to do the the, the tough stuff to really battle away in midfield enables uh, Zaya Emery and Vitinho to shine technically. And I think having two players sort of <clears throat> providing that technical brilliance as opposed to just the one with Verratti, who, you know, obviously, uh, you know, there were big form and fitness questions uh, over him. You know, suddenly that gives PSG a lot more um, possibilities in terms of creating stuff from the middle of the park, which I feel is, you know, really important moving forward. Um, you know, and also, I, I think as well, you look at sort of the, the other options that uh, Enrique has now that he can bring in, potentially switch one player in and out. Arguably the only one who really will be difficult to replace in the midfield for sort of like any given game will be Ugarte because we don't know yet how Danny Dobrera might fare in that sort of same defensive midfield role. We know that traditionally it is sort of his position, but he's been asked to play central defender for so many uh, game sort of in the last year or so that uh, you know it might take a, a while for him to sort of get used to, to playing back in that position. But otherwise, when you've got the likes of Fabian Ruiz, uh, you know Carlos Soler to come in, in theory, uh, you know on paper you have uh, you know a team that should be able to sort of uh, you know rotate and have two decent midfields. But for sure, the the, the first choice midfield uh, where you've got Ugarte, Vitinha, uh, Zaya Emery is extremely interesting from what we've seen so far. Uh, and Vitinho, you know, I think has been a, a, a massive part of that. I'm, I'm happy for him to got the assist for Hakimi's goal. Unlucky, obviously, with the opportunity where he gets the post in the first half, but very encouraging from from him so far. And I think as well, you know, sort of a good start to the season, a solid start would have really done his confidence, uh, you know, the, the world of good. So, you know, fingers crossed that uh, that continues. But I, I certainly think Vitinho, uh, you know, looks like he could be back to sort of the player that we thought PSG had gotten at the beginning of last season and then before his form, but also the team's form uh, collectively, uh, you know, really dropped quickly. You mentioned Ugarte. I don't know if you saw on Twitter the meltdown when it was reported that he may not be fit enough to uh, feature in the match against Dortmund and then a miracle when he was able to play. Um, he is just such, he is the most entertaining boring player i think i've ever seen like he just goes out there and does his job wins the ball plays the right pass and nothing spectacular but he is solid as a rock love ugarte glad he was able to play i wanted just one more thing on vitinha and this is a little bit stepping away from the dortmund match but um there was a report i think it was lakeep had it i read it on uh french football weekly and it was the story that at the beginning of 2023 that apparently vitinha and uh, Neymar and Messi didn't really get along too well. Um, and there was a quote uh, that Messi apparently had said to Vitinha, not only are you weak, but you're hurting me. And just any reaction to that? And, and now that we know that Messi's moved on to Inter-Miami and he's sort of taken some of these shots and Neymar as well, but any any thoughts on maybe what was going on behind the scenes there now that more of this is starting to come out? I mean, I think clearly, uh, you know, there were some sort of, you know, issues sort of within the 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 squad set and sort of, you know, the, the, these kind of cliques of like the, you know, the players who have pre-existing relations and, you know, I guess players that sort of see themselves as elites or above, uh, you know, certain other members of the squad. Uh, you know, and I think uh, as well, you know, we sort of know that Neymar was very outspoken with his views on sort of PSG's transfer activity, which obviously included Vitinha as well. Uh, you know, but I, I, I think sort of in terms of, uh, of Messi, I mean, yeah, sure, you know, he's gone to Inter Miami to make 
a really good start to life in the US. Uh, you know, he's been saying sort of a lot of negative stuff about his uh, his time in uh, in Paris. I mean, yeah, it didn't go the way that anybody uh, you know wanted or imagined uh, that it would go. But um, you know, I don't. I mean, I don't. I don't really have anything sort of of major importance to say because there's no point sort of dwelling on it. You know, Messi uh, and PSG, Neymar and PSG. Uh, you know, are now well and truly in the rearview mirror. Uh, you know, and I think PSG have made the right decision to move on from, you know, some of those star names who don't necessarily invest themselves as much on the pitch, uh, you know, and get, sort of going, bringing it all back to Vitinha. You know, one thing that you cannot fault him for at any point during his time at PSG so far uh, is, you know, effort and sort of application to, to task. You know, he always puts in 100% out there on the pitch. Sure, it hasn't always worked out. Uh, you know, certainly the, the latter part of last season, uh, you know, is a good example of that. But, um, you know, overall, he is uh, a very talented player, somebody who on his day, uh, you know, can, can really make a difference and, and look impressive. And, uh, you know, I think it's a really good thing, you know, not just for him, but for, for the PSG squad as a whole. Uh, you know, there's now less of those kind of like poisonous, uh, you know, kind of personalities and attitudes within the group. Uh, and that it's, um, you know, finally a, an opportunity to move forward and be stronger as a collective, even if there are a few uh, sort of, uh, you know, individual, uh, you know, characters within this squad now. Um, along the same lines with Neymar and Messi, I do want to ask this question. What was the biggest difference you saw last night compared to a Champions League night when PSG had Neymar and Messi? What's the difference that you saw on the pitch with the team? Uh, it has to be work rate. I mean, you know, it's not I, it's not embellishing or, or sort of over-exaggerating that, you know, with Neymar and Messi on the pitch, there wasn't the same sort of defending from the front and that, you know, desire to sort of run, uh, you know, close uh, the opposition down and you know, really try to, um, you know, put as much pressure on the, the opponents as, uh, as possible. It's, uh, you know, that I think made a huge uh, difference in, you know, having the likes of Colomani, but also Gonzalo Ramos, who are sort of prepared to do that. Uh, you know, I think that that's going to make a big difference with PSG moving forward because, you know, with Neymar, with Messi and also Mbappe, because, you know, at the end of the day, he's not sort of exempt from criticism for this. There was no real willingness to, to track back, to get involved, you know, to, to apply pressure. Obviously, that's still a work in, in progress with uh, with Mbappe, but you get a lot more in terms of sort of, uh, you know, investments uh, you know, uh, on the pitch from, from the likes of Colomani. And I think that that will really make a difference and we'll continue to see the difference, uh, you know, compared to sort of what we were used to over the last couple of years when, you know, Messi and Neymar were lining up for, for PSG. But also at the same time, uh, you know, perhaps at some point this season, uh, you know, PSG might miss that occasional burst of magic that you get having Messi and, uh, and Neymar on the pitch. You know, we don't know until we sort of, you know, cross those bridges and come up against the likes of Milan, Newcastle and you know, sort of see what happens after the group stage, uh, you know, how it all shakes out for PSG. But, uh, you know, certainly uh, in terms of the, the profiles, uh, you know, in the team and on the pitch, the, the product is, um, you know, vastly different to what we used to when Neymar and Messi were sort of leading the line with Mbappe. I think there was, um, to kind of wrap this topic up, there was a moment, I think it was when Dembele was taken down from behind, and you saw the whole team, Marquinhos, they, they stood up for him. They were getting in a fight, and I don't know if I saw that sort of fight last season with Messi and Neymar. It just very much seemed like everyone was going through the motions. And like you said, there wasn't a whole lot of passion out there and wanting to, to fight for the team. And so I thought that was just 
not that I condone fighting on the pitch, but I, I thought sticking up for your teammate like that was, was really great to see this early in the season. Um, we've talked a lot about, about the positives in the, in the match. Kolomwani just coming into the team, disappointing performance. Are you concerned about that at all? Was there something that you saw that could be a problem? Or do you think this is just a, a matter of him just getting acclimated, coming off the international break? Do you have any concern there? No, I don't. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't agree. I don't think it was a disappointing performance. I think he worked hard. I mean, sure, it would be nice to, to score a goal really early on in your career and sort of get off the mark and take that pressure off. But at the end of the day, it was his first full start. So I don't think we should read too much into it. The fact that, you know, he worked hard and, and sort of followed what Luis Enrique wanted him to do on the field, I think that's important. Uh, you know, and I think sort of overall, um, you know, I'd probably be more concerned about the situation with Gonzalo Ramos at this point, given that he's played more often and still hasn't scored either. Uh, you know, but I think those goals will come. It's just a question of sort of when, you know, they will take those opportunities. Could say the same thing about Usman Dembele as well, sort of still waiting for his first like direct contribution to a to a goal, um, whether it's scoring it or whether it's assisting it. And we've already had an assist from Kolomwani, uh, you know, for Mbappe's second against Nice. So uh, I'm not too disappointed by sort of Kolomwani's start to life, uh, you know, for PSG. And I think the goals will come, and no better time, uh, you know, to to be hungry to score your first PSG goal and potentially score your first PSG goal than uh, Le Classique this weekend. And we're going to get to that match. But first, I have a very important question for you. What did we think of the third kits coming out? And what do you think of them wearing them uh, at home? Any thoughts on that? Uh, I think I'm going to try and be diplomatic on this one. Um, there's been quite a few questionable uh, third kits in the last couple of years, certainly since the, the collaboration with, uh, with Jordan Brand. So... For me, I think this one ranks as probably one of the the better designs, and it looks pretty it looks pretty good on the on the field as well. So yeah, I, I it gets a thumbs up from me, but that's only because most of the other ones in recent years have got a thumbs down. I think it was the the first year, the black, and then they had a white one as well. Those are probably my favorites. But you're right; they've been questionable. And as a middle aged guy, I just some of these I just can't get away with. I don't even know if I could pull this one off, but I do like it. I like the black and the orange, so it looks good. Uh, you mentioned like let's see. Can I get a prediction from you on Sunday? PSG Marseille at the park. What are you going to be looking for? Give me a scoreline. Just kind of set it up for us. Yeah, I mean, this one's really fascinating because obviously you've got Marseille coming into it off the back of a crisis, PSG sort of building in terms of their momentum. So for me, I think I'm going to have to go for a PSG win. I'm pretty confident about that. And yeah, why not debut goal for either Colomani or, or Ramos? Depends who Luis Enrique goes with. You know, it's maybe both. But yeah, I think that uh, I can see PSG winning that one. And, you know, it's the perfect time to play Marseille with, with Marcelino leaving. Uh, you know, and sort of all of that uh, drama surrounding the club. You know, people were saying that, oh, PSG, you know, massively dramatic at the end of last season. Hard to argue with it, but, you know, Marseille and Lyon have, sh- have shown recently as well that, uh, you know, PSG are not sort of the only dramatic club over here in France. Fantastic. And then there will be no, right, no Marseille fans traveling. Um, for people who may not know, can you maybe just touch on that topic just a little bit as, as to why Marseille fans can't travel? Will they ever be able to attend? a match uh, at PSG. Just kind of talk about that for those maybe who aren't aware of that whole situation. Yeah, so unfortunately, because of sort of the fan trouble, uh, you know, that this fixture has had over the years, and it's not just this fixture, it's a number of different sort of uh, matches that the the French authorities have to pay attention to. Uh, 
the, basically the heavy-handed treatment of, of football matches, which we've seen very publicly in recent years with the Champions League final at Stade de France uh, when it was uh, Real Madrid versus Liverpool. Uh, you know, basically the French authorities opt to make it easier for themselves and just stop travelling fans from going to matches that could potentially be difficult. Uh, and obviously that's hugely disappointing because it takes away from, you know, what, what is normally a fantastic spectacle. Uh, you know, and I don't know sort of, you know, when a lot of our listeners sort of started to, to watch, started to follow PSG, but there's a chance that they might not have been following PSG when both sets of fans were allowed at Le Classique. And I can I can tell you from having sort of been there in person uh, at both Parc des Princes and, and Stade Villadon that it's a phenomenal atmosphere and one that I think French football really, really misses. Uh, adds a lot to the, the French football landscape. Um, you know, and also I think not being able to go uh, as away fans uh, to, to both games also kind of diluted the rivalry for a little bit. Obviously, it's sort of, you know, come back uh, a little bit in the last couple of years with a bit more needle, uh, especially since Marseille managed to get a win apart from us. But also, I feel, you know, it, it used to be a lot more bitter. Um, and, it, you know, I'm not saying that I want to see sort of you know, trouble in and around the stadium. Of course, I don't, but I, I, you know, I do think that there should be more of an effort made by the authorities to at least enable away fans to, to be attending these games because without the fans, uh, you know, it really sort of detracts from the, the spectacle and, uh, you know, and it makes it less important. And, you know, French football at this moment in time needs its most important games to be very, very visible and to, to be a real celebration, uh, you know, of those kind of rivalries. Well said, yeah. And hopefully we can get fans into the stadium. It's, we saw during the COVID season, you know, not having fans. And so yeah, we, we just need both sets of fans and hopefully they can get it together. I don't know what the solution is, but it'd be nice. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to this one on Sunday. It is Marseille's Champions League final because uh, they are not in the Champions League anymore. And so they'll want to come in and, and spoil PSG's fun. And we all know PSG coming off a, a big Champions League match, especially a win that could be a little bit flat. So I'm, a little nervous about this one. We haven't gotten off to the greatest start in league on, so um, keep your eye on this match. It should be entertaining on Sunday. Jonathan, we've kept you far too long. Thank you so much for stopping in and, and giving your thoughts on the Dortmund match. It was a great performance. And, and up next, away at Newcastle, their first home match there in the Champions League for, what, 20 years? Yeah, a long, long time. So I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how that all plays out. And obviously, uh, you know, quite a, a unique fixture as well, given that it's, uh, you know, a Qatari-owned club uh, up against a, a Saudi-backed one. But uh, yeah. so it's, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be really interesting. And, uh, you know, I think the, the early results have worked out perfectly for PSG uh, in terms of setting them up to potentially hold on to top spot of the group. So, you know, fingers crossed, uh, you know, PSG can continue to build in terms of, uh, you know, the, the momentum and the form and chemistry uh, and they can go to Newcastle and you know, put in another uh, impressive performance uh, you know that said having sort of seen a bit of the Milan Newcastle game uh, I'm not too worried for PSG's chances uh, of advancing in the, in the top two and I think you know potentially taking those uh, early three points when everyone else drew uh, you know that's a, a, an important step for, for PSG because now it takes a little bit of a sting out of the trip to St James's Park which you know, will, you know, be a very narrative-rich game. Uh, so there will be a little bit more pressure on it than, uh, than there usually would be for, for PSG. So, no, I think it's uh, it, it's an ideal scenario now that PSG have got the first three points on the board against all. Yeah, we talked about atmosphere. That's going to be something special. Are you headed up there for the game? 
to be decided. Uh, okay. For the not for the moment, but uh, that can change. That can change. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Jonathan. We will catch you next time. Make sure you check out all of Jonathan's work over on CBS Sports, and uh, you also write for us over on Substack. So go and check out his articles there, and uh, we'll catch you next time. Bye, everyone. <laughs>